everybody welcome to the unapologetic podcast i'm lena i'm going to be talking with pastor billy and we are explaining the reason for our hope and we're back this is awesome this is Here great we are again. this is great uh i'm lena you're Pastor Billy. Yep, we I think are... so. Last time I checked. Yep. I mean, I always call you Pastor Billy. It seems like even a little more formal than you're super comfortable with. We talked about how you exactly. are usually with like younger <laughs> people. And so you're, you always kind of are like, that's not what you usually call me. And I'm like, I feel like I should because I'm on a podcast. Hey, but... man, that's all good. You hey, know? so it's Lena. It's Billy. We're here. We're doing the unapologetic podcast. Are we on session eight already? We are. This is crazy. It's flying by. So, hey, so this conversation is a cool one because it really has serious implications for what we believe as Christians. We're going to talk about the resurrection, Yeah. why it's important. And, I mean, Scripture says, and, and we believe that this is really the hinge point for our faith. You can get all the way up to, in history books, the point where Jesus was murdered on a cross. That's right. right. You can. Most people believe that. Absolutely. But the resurrection is where we lose a lot of people, right? It's really... But if that part didn't happen, nothing that we believe before that or after that matters at all. That is so true, Lena. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, if anybody ever wants to read about the gospel and the resurrection and anything, that's the place to go. 1 Corinthians 15 says exactly what you just said. And it says this, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ was not raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your trust in God is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still under condemnation for your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ have perished. And if we have hope in Christ only for this life, we are the most miserable people in the world. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's wild. I mean, it's saying exactly what you said, that, man, if you take away the resurrection, then everything we do, everything we teach, everything we talk about, the the foundation that we have placed our lives on as Christians, as Christ followers, falls apart. Which would be disastrous for us, right? Because, like you said, I mean, my life is centered on this. Your life is centered on this. And we're asking other people to center their lives on this. So... How and this is we... one of the greatest this is one of the greatest miracles in scripture. This is what everything hinges on and as a matter of fact if you read past what I was reading in 1 Corinthians 15, you'll see that 1 Corinthians 15 says if there was no resurrection then the whole of Christian faith and teaching would be false. There would be no forgiveness of sins. Believers will have died in vain and Christians would be absent of the hope that we're talking about. So there's so all 12 of these podcasts, you know, right. once once we once once we do 12, um 
it would all be useless. Isn't that, that's how important the resurrection is. Yeah. So we definitely need to talk about it without a doubt. Uh, but like you said, it is without a doubt the biggest miracle in scripture. And so, and so because it's a biggest miracle, people get hung up on it sometimes. Yeah, they sure do. They sure do. So, you know, some people have taken the Bible and said, you know, let's take all the miracles out of the Bible. Let's give naturalistic explanations for everything. And most people who just really don't want to adhere to Scripture and say, no, no, it's just a bunch of myths and legends and, and things like that, they want to take all the miracles out of the Bible, you know, and they want to try and describe the miracles like Jonah and the whale and, and, and the, the crossing of the Red Sea and things like this as myth and legend. And so they want to do the same thing with Jesus. And so this has gone on for a long time. Right. So there are a few arguments that, that are like naturalistic explanations for how did Jesus, how did people think that Jesus rose from the dead? Let me just give you a few. Okay. okay. This is the oldest one. And the oldest, I say this is the oldest one because we see it in the New Testament, right? When somebody reported to the officials, he's not in the tomb anymore. And all the disciples said he rose from the dead. Right. Right. And they freaked out. Okay. So this I, is what it I says. I would have freaked out. Oh, I'm, I might have freaked out too. But here's what it says in Matthew 28, starting at verse 12. It says, a meeting of all the religious leaders was called and they decided to bribe the soldiers. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you and everything will be all right. So the guards accepted the bribe and, and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews and they still tell it today. That's Man. the oldest argument for what the disappearance of Jesus and the disciples are saying he rose from the dead and they're freaked out. And so here's, here's the crazy part about that. Think about what they're asking the, the, the soldiers to do. First of all, if you're on guard and you're a soldier and you're told to stand post and you're supposed to stay up all night and you fall asleep, you could receive the death penalty for that. Right. That's you could huge. die for that. And you definitely aren't going to be trusted as a guard yeah. Again. Well, that, yeah. And that's why they actually said, look, listen, if the governor hears about it, we'll stick up for you. Okay. Because they knew they were going to get in serious trouble. Secondly, it says, you must say Jesus' disciples came during the night while you were sleeping. Mm. If you're sleeping, how did you know it was the disciples? You, you get what I'm saying? That's true. Like, there like, are this, some this plot not even holes making there. sense to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> And, and so we, we have all of this and, and, and it's just not a good argument. As a matter of fact, it is even hard to establish that the, the soldiers would stay asleep when this massive stone was going to be rolled away. They had to move them out of the way. It's going to be so loud. There are angels, there's light, there's, you know, how are you going to stay asleep, right? Yeah, there's probably some noise sense. happening, some commotion. But beyond that, beyond that, here's another problem with that, that if this was true, and the disciples were just trying to establish some kind of myth or some kind of, uh, you know, story, fabricated story, all it would take is the right bribe or the right threat. And one of the disciples probably would cave. They call that the weakest link argument. And, right. and all they'd have to do is produce as evidence the dead body of Jesus. Well, nobody did that. 
Right. You know what I mean? Well, because there wasn't a body, but you know. Yeah, that's because there wasn't. Right, right, right. right. But, but the other, there, there's another one. The second argument that people brought up is also the stolen body theory, just like the first one. But okay. somebody said that, well, maybe it was the Romans or the Jewish leaders who stole the body. And okay. my first question was, well, why in the world would they want to do that? They wanted this whole Christian sect or this Christianity or this, this group. They just wanted them to go away. This was just being a problem for the Jewish people as being a problem for the Roman people. The best okay? way for that problem to go away would have been to leave the body there where everybody could see exactly. that this really was over. And if somebody did take it for some relic or some weird thing like it, just bring it back forth. You know, just yep. show everybody, hey, by the way, this is not all true, you know? Yeah. And so there's there's a couple arguments that just don't hold any water, even though it's been passed around for many, many generations. Well, right? I think it's notable that Matthew knew that this was going to come up. And so he said, hey, don't listen to this lie that will be told. I think exactly. that's kind of a cool thing, too. And, and, and there, just to explain some of the naturalistic theories that have gone on through the centuries, I just want to explain, too, that aren't any longer in favor by any reputable scholar. Okay. okay. Let's just put it that way. One of so them is you're called, smirking, so I know these are oh, going to be fun. Gonna be, these are going to be fun. All right, One is the em. wrong tomb theory, that the disciples ran to the wrong tomb because of all the commotion, all the stress, all the psychological you know, anxiety and, and everything else that they were running so fast and they ran to the wrong tomb right okay so they a lot just of got problems confused. there a lot of problems there okay first of all there were guards by the tomb right okay and so they would just all they'd have to do is find that oh where'd the guard there's no guards right second of all all they'd have to do is go to joseph of arimathea because we know the name of the man who owned that tomb right and say hey joseph where's your tomb again yeah could you this just is, could uh, you mark it I'm, on the I'm map i'm a little confused my brain is all messed up right yeah. yep and then it says that that Peter and John both raced to the tomb. Is it possible that both of them mistook the tomb for the wrong one? You know what I mean? No, it's because just, since they were racing, if one of them had made a mistake, the other one would have been like, hey, I actually won. Cause and I'm telling you right now that the Jewish leaders would have gone to Joseph of Marimathea and brought him forward and said, where is your tomb? Is this your tomb? I mean, this is, oh, this yeah. is, it's kind of ridiculous. No, nobody. Listen, it, that fell At out of favor point. many, many years ago. The, this one also fell out of favor many years ago, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's called the swoon theory that Jesus really didn't die. Uh. So, so okay. here's what happened. Okay. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, had to pull an all-nighter. And after they, he pulled an all-nighter, they brought him to trial, and they beat him and whipped him and scourged him, which means they were taking flesh off of his back. He was losing a lot of blood. If that wasn't enough, they put a crown of thorns on him, and he was losing a lot of blood from his forehead, okay? Okay. So after all of that, he has to take this heavy piece of wood, this timber that was probably getting splinters all in his, his, his ripped-up back, and he's carrying it up this hill so much so that he couldn't carry it any longer, and Simon the Cyrene had to carry it. Remember that? Yeah. So all this is happening. He then gets nailed to the cross, which is death by asphyxiation. People don't realize that. He dies on the cross, apparently, okay? So much so that, that uh, the, the, the Roman soldiers did not have to break his legs. Because right. if you break somebody's legs, then you'll actually not be able to push up on that block and take a breath, so you'll die. Well, he had already died, and to make sure they stuck a spear in his heart, and blood and water came out of his heart, okay, pericardial fluid and blood, and then they wrapped him up in, in bandages and, and cloth and everything else, wrapped him up pretty tight, put him in this damp tomb, okay, 
and he's supposed to be alive still? This verges on ridiculous. It really does. It verges on ridiculous. And so even if he was able to get himself out of that cloth, okay, right. and roll this stone away and as weak and as, as little blood as he had in him, would the disciples, you know, seen him and would they have been enthusiastic like they were and worshiping him in awe and really, seriously? So this one fell out of favor before even the wrong tomb theory fell out of favor, okay? Yeah, because I mean, it, it doesn't not... take much once you start actually reading historically what happened. It's like, there's Absolutely. no way Absolutely. he made it through that. The, I mean, the Romans were experts at capital punishment. He was dead. You know, and there's yeah. not any reputable scholar who denies that, you know. Speaking of scholars, there's a there's a scholar named Gary Habermas who did probably more work on the resurrection of Jesus than any any other theologian in history. Okay. okay? Wrote more pages on the resurrection of Jesus than anybody. And he did something really unique. He came up with six minimal facts. That's what he called them. Okay. That no scholars d- dispute. And he bases his evidence on the resurrection of Jesus on these six facts that not even skeptics dispute. Okay. You know, you have scholars from all over the place, reputable scholars from high institutions that will not deny these six minimal facts. Okay. And so that's where he places all his emphasis. Let me read them. Let's hear them. These are scholars that are skeptical, are not believers in Christianity, yet they do not deny these six facts. Okay. Jesus died by Roman crucifixion. That's the first one. Yep. Number two, the disciples had experiences that they believed were actually appearances of the risen Jesus. Okay. Okay. They had these real experiences and they believed this was the risen Jesus. Number three, the disciples were thoroughly transformed, even being willing to die for this belief. I mean, the disciples turned the world upside down. No scholar is going to dispute that. And many of them did die for that belief. You got that right. Number four, the apostolic proclamation of the resurrection took place very early when the church was in its infancy. What that means is that, that they're talking about it right away. Yeah. This was not like it's something that developed over, over time, like, oh, a myth, you know, or some things that get added into Christianity that are a little bit weird. Right. No, no, no. This was from the very beginning. Okay. Number five, James, the brother of Jesus and a former skeptic, became a Christian due to an experience that he believed was an appearance of the risen Christ. That's his brother. You know, sometimes it's harder to talk to your family about Jesus than anybody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And James was a skeptic. He didn't believe, okay? He became a believer, actually died for his faith, you know, and and, and that's significant. Yeah. Number six, Paul, the church persecutor, became a Christian due to an experience that he believed was an appearance of the risen Jesus. No scholars dispute any of those things. And when you put those things together, it weighs heavily in evidence that the resurrection was actually a a historical fact. Right. Man. Yeah, that is, it's a lot of evidence. It's a lot of things. And when you, like you said, when you put all of it together, when you put on this side, yeah, he was crucified under the Roman emperor. And then over here, you're like, I've got a bunch of different people that are saying they experienced him alive after that crucifixion was supposed to happen. If it was just one or two people, that's one thing. But this is many people. And yeah, that's 
definitely something that we need to weigh heavily. Well, one other thing is that that I and I'll I'll, um, I'll close with this is is that the resurrection also gives us a lot of motivation and a lot of power for our living today. As a matter of fact, let's go to the very last verse in First Corinthians fifteen. That okay. here you're talking about the resurrection the whole time, and it comes to this in First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and steady. Always enthusiastic about the Lord's work, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. It's talking about our faith not being useless because Jesus rose from the dead. And it comes back around all the way at the end and saying, everything you do for the Lord is never going to be useless. It's always going to be useful, you know. And so when Peter, I'm sorry, when Paul talks about um, the power of the resurrection, He actually goes on to say, I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. He's saying that we can live in and on the power of the resurrection. That's how much it means for our faith. Right. That's huge. I mean, that's all of our existence being in and on it and we started there we said this is the most important thing about our faith why is it that way how do we explain it um how do we defend it and yeah i think that you've done a really awesome job kind of walking us through both what history has said for it and for it and against it um and definitely, it's such an important thing. We we need to believe the resurrection. I mean, th- th- there's your exclusivity. Jesus died and rose again. Yep. Right. Yep. So this, I mean, this came really timely after what we talked about in our last session, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's almost like you planned that when we planned <laughs> what we and were going to talk about. Maybe a little bit. Maybe just a little bit. Um, so hey, I know that so far it's been really awesome. I've learned a lot and. We're going to keep going with it. We've got four more questions that we're going to talk through. So, yeah, look forward to I'll that. See you Thanks when for we having go me, Lady. Okay, see you. All right. <laughs>